Hey everyone, welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. It is Monday, May 10th. I'm your host, Ron, today, and I'm joined by Isaac. And I'm Beza. And we've got a lot of cool stories for you guys to hear today. Isaac, you got some stories for us? Yeah. The other day on May 7th, there was a Care Not Cops event on campus. So organizers from a broad coalition of campus and community activist groups marched through campus on May 1st, calling for the abolition of UCPD and recognition of the Graduate Student Union, GSU, among other demands. GSU, National Nurses United, Tenants United, Hyde Park and Woodlawn, the U Chicago Labor Council, and U Chicago United were all represented at the march and in the accompanying car caravan. The date of the march both commemorates the labor movement holiday May Day and kicks off a month of action by UChicago United, which is participating in a nationwide push by the campus activist organization Cops Off Campus Coalition, demanding the abolition of campus police. UChicago United is a student organization that advocates for racial justice on campus and in the surrounding neighborhoods through direct action. Speakers, such as PhD student and UCLC organizer Esther Isaac, started off the event by outlining the connections between the police abolitionist movement and labor organizing. Participants marched from the Jewel Osco parking lot to UCPD headquarters and Levi Hall, ending at the experimental station on 61st and Blackstone. Marchers held signs, including one that said against cops and bosses, and led chants such as, we don't want your wine and cheese, recognize your employees. UChicago United's Ethnic Studies Now and Community Centers Now, formerly Cultural Centers Now, campaign organizers spoke in front of Levi Hall, advocating for the foundation of a fully funded Department of Ethnic Studies and Community Centers where students and local residents can build relationships with each other. Branching out from the boundaries of campus, representatives of allied groups told the crowd about the organizers' work. A spokesperson for the nurses of UChicago's Medical Center described their efforts to secure full sick pay for nurses infected with COVID-19 and to restore the university's contributions to retirement benefits. The march concluded at an event organized by the Experimental Station Union, recently formed and still struggling for recognition. The union represents workers from the Experimental Station nonprofit itself, as well as from organizations the Experimental Station building houses, such as Blackstone Bicycle Works, the 61st Street Farmers Market, and the nonprofit Link Up. Students and neighbors engaged each other in outdoor arts and crafts, handed out buttons and flyers, and visited food, to- food stations set up along the grassy lawn. Awesome. Uh, Beza, you want to go next? Yeah. Um, So speaking of labor, somehow related, the renowned linguist, philosopher, and political activist Noam Chomsky addressed students at a virtual event on Thursday, co-hosted by the Student Political Unions of the University of Chicago, Northwestern University, and Columbia University. Chomsky called the Biden administration's decision to send millions of AstraZeneca vaccine doses to India, now struggling with a devastating surge in COVID-19 cases, quote, a bit better than the European countries are doing, end quote. Most of the European countries are monopolizing vaccines for themselves, he said. This is not only unethical beyond any words um, that I can think of, but it's also suicidal. These are the words of Chomsky. Chomsky, who has described his politics as an anarcho-syndicalist, was cautiously optimistic about Biden's approach to labor policy. Since taking office, Biden has publicly backed the unionization efforts of Amazon warehouse workers in Alabama and pushed for passage of the PRO Act aimed at strengthening the bargaining power of unions. The act would prevent workers from 
opting out of union dues, bar employers from using workers' immigration status against them in negotiations, and establish monetary penalties for companies that violate workers' rights. The middle class built this country and unions built the middle class, Biden said in a speech to Congress on Wednesday. The rejuvenation of the labor movement, Chomsky said, holds the key to diffusing many of the crises facing society today. And Chomsky also emphasized the need for swift action on climate change, lamenting uh, the previous administration's lack of action in that area and the enduring public skepticism. He cited a recent poll uh, that showed that only 14% of Republicans see climate change as a, quote, very big problem. And Chomsky continued that you know, the United States needs to stop sub subsidizing fossil fuels industry and stop relying on fossil fuels entirely by mid-century in order to avoid the worst consequences of uh, climate crisis. Um, and his ending words were, like it or not, Chomsky told the audience, your generation has to decide whether organized human society is going to persist or not. All right, uh, so I'm going to close this out with a few stories on COVID. Uh, so first, the weekly COVID update. Uh, the university reported 13 new cases this week in an email sent by UChicago Forward on Friday, May 7th. The positivity rate for the off-campus population is 0.05%, and there are currently five or fewer people isolated off-campus. The university has also started issuing vaccination invitations through MyChart for students eligible for phase two. First vaccines need to be scheduled on or before May 21st in order to ensure that the second shot can be received before the end of the quarter on June 12th. Furthermore, despite the CDC changing guidelines for fully vaccinated individuals, the UChicago Forward email indicated that admin is not expecting any major changes to the requirements of the health pact. How, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> well, as of today, um, as of about an hour ago, I am two weeks fully vaccinated. My opinion, this is just my opinion, right? Um, we made decisions about COVID uh, on campus based on CDC recommendation, and we listened to scientists, which was the right thing to do. Um, and I believe that we should maintain that level of like continuity with listening to the scientists. If they say things are okay in whatever capacity, uh, I think that the UChicago Health Pacts should reflect these changes. Um, I think it's a safe and responsible way to move forward out of pandemic closures by listening to the CDC. So that's what I would be in favor of. However, I do understand why um, the university is like maintaining their rigidity because there is like four or five weeks left to school anyways. Um, and so they just want to reach the reach the finish line as smoothly as they can before sending everyone off to different corners of the country. So I get that as well. Yeah, I just got my second shot last night. Um, and actually, I mean, I, I guess this shows my dedication to pod because half of my body feels like <laughs> wants to fall off. But um, I, my roommates and I, um, like the last of us got fully vaccinated and we are booking a seat at Shinju two weeks from now because that's the birth we're going to do. As you should. Um, exactly. And I feel like the CDC guidelines are very clear on that. If you're vaccinated and um, are not in the age group, um, that is more likely to have a, an extreme case of COVID. Um, I think live your life.
just don't obviously wear your mask when you go to the store and stuff like that. But other than that, I think we're really getting out of this pandemic and there's no, no there's no reason for us to prolong it. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and bouncing off of Isaac's point about how, you know, we're just so close to the finish line so that this, the university probably just doesn't want to create any new changes. I think it's also important to point out that there's some people who are vaccinated and some people who are not and some people who don't want to get vaccinated. Right. So just seeing that behavior of like perhaps not wearing your mask, even if, even if it's been two weeks since you got your second shot and someone who didn't get their second shot or didn't get any of their shots seeing that and then like imitating it. I think that's also what the university is nervous about because I think by fall quarter, like, ev- like basically everyone is going to be vaccinated. It's probably going to be a requirement to be vaccinated in order to like take classes here. Um, but at this thing, point, but, you know, yeah, at this point that's not like possible. So um, they probably just want to just want to keep doing what they're doing. All right. And a second story that's also related to COVID, the Pritzker School of Molecular Engineering has actually developed a new COVID-19 treatment that can trap virus particles and enable the immune system to destroy them. Uh, The treatment is made up of nanoparticles called nanotraps and is able to essentially trick COVID-19 particles into binding with them by imitating the characteristics of the cells that are targeted by the virus. So in layman's terms, the nanoparticles are basically catfishing the virus particles. Uh, The research is being conducted by graduate student Jill Rosenberg and postdoc scholar Min Chen under the supervision of assistant professor Jun Huang. Importantly, this treatment is very modular, so that basically means that pieces of the nanotrap can be swapped and modified to adjust for differences that may come with new variants of the virus, which, as we've seen so far throughout the course of events with this pandemic, has been very impactful for many different countries. Uh, So far, the nanotraps have been shown to be very effective at combating COVID with no unwanted side effects. So it could be really cool to see the progress on this. That is interesting. And if I actually um, had any conviction at all after my freshman year and stuck with the bio major, I might be able to speak on this even more, but I am liberal arts trash. So um, yeah, I don't know. Good for Pritzker. I believe in science. I'm just not good at it. So shout out them. That's dope though. Um, Do we know how widely available this would be? Like did the reporting lend any of that commentary? That's a good question. I think right now it's still like very much in the research phase and right. uh, the, the researchers are focused on making sure that it's effective and that it uh, actually does what, uh, what, what they want it to do. So um, effective and such. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so uh, there hasn't been any real discussion about how widely available or anything it might be, but it's very cool. And I think uh, it has, it definitely has the potential to, to be widely available. Well, this is normally the part of the episode where we reflect on our past weeks and how COVID closures and frat parties and stuff have made our lives harder. I've got one little story. It's not that big of a story. I work for our athletic department and today, May the 8th, uh, University of Chicago is hosting Division Three Women's Lacrosse National Tournament or something like that. I don't know. It's a big deal. Um, And I'm working there. And apparently the two weeks after the vaccine is not inclusive. Um, So it's 14 days after mine, but 
I, I still need to get a COVID test today. I tested negative. Great and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. I did not expect to have to get a COVID test this morning. I was in the mindset of two weeks actually means 14 days. But uh, for anyone listening, two weeks actually means 15 days as far as being COVID responsible, at least according to the NCAA. And I am not going to pick pick a fight with them. But yeah, I don't know. COVID actually hasn't been too tenuous on my personal life in the past couple of weeks, not just because I'm like, after a week, it's like 85% vaccinated or whatever. It's just everyone is able to healthily be outdoors again because it's been nice. So I'm seeing a lot of people at the lake and in parks because I live right across from a park and I met up with people outdoors and it's been a great time. Uh, I'd say that from my from my perspective, COVID really hasn't been doing much. I will say that scav started um, and I'm honestly not really that into scav, but I'm the RA for the house that has won it for the past two years. Oh, okay. so I feel like, yeah, I feel like you know, by extension, I kind of have to care a little bit more about it this year. Um, I will say that even if some of the clues are ridiculously obnoxious, um, <laughs> it is it is it is a good distraction uh, or something something that will that's breaking up the routine a little bit because I think um, for a lot of different students this year, uh, it's just been doing the same thing over and over, and you you kind of lose track of time and you don't really like nothing feels different it just feels like it just feels like you're stuck in a rut so i i, I appreciate this at least I, I appreciate scav at least for that um because it's breaking people out of the rut a little bit how has covid like affected scav preparedness obviously like I, maybe it did happen last year i am just kind of out of the loop but when it was in full swing first year um how different is it from that obviously you're not going to have like big in-person events and culmination events and stuff like that are there any big group events that can be held outdoors um because i remember uh there were a lot of those projects first year but i don't know if the university would be cool with that even being all outdoors maybe you can speak to that a little bit yeah for sure so there actually was this gap last year uh, it was completely yeah. virtual um <laughs> it's completely virtual and uh, there is one and the one this year is also completely virtual and all the items are designed so that you can do them by yourself, um, or you can do them like through Zoom with other people um, if it's like collaborative. Uh, so yeah, the the people who make the list are actually a registered student organization, so they have to like act like they can't just like you know be anarchist and uh, <laughs> and be like screw the rules, I will do whatever I want. They have to like follow the health pact and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's kind of what's been going on. It's all been virtual. Uh, there's no real big in-person events going on with Seattle this year. I gotcha. I gotcha. How about you, Baze? Anything going on? It's just the usual grind. How are you feeling post-vaccine number two? I actually expected a whole lot worse, and I don't. I don't. It's just my arm feels like about to fall off. But mm, the Pfizer vaccine the night after hit me like an absolute semi truck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was bad. I hadn't felt that sick since my senior year of high school. That's crazy. Wait, what was the feeling like? Um, I had a fever like one hundred and one. Um, muscle aches, chills, cold sweats, uh, very very sore throat. I was simply just laying in bed for many hours. So, wow. yeah. but it passed quickly. 
Uh, I think I talked about this on the solo podcast or not solo podcast, but the, the independent podcast last week when yeah. I had people send in their sound clips, I was like, here's my life update. And I was like, yeah, I, I was feeling real bad, but I'm better now. It passed in like eight hours or less if you're worried about that. So interesting because i i think it's been um 18 hours since i had my vaccine and it's just arm arm, arm soreness i'm very very lucky mine was the night on the day after so if i got my vaccine saturday morning i start started feeling real bad sunday night that's not that's not good <laughs> so get ready uh i'm sure you'll be fine though yeah the good thing is it will pass i i just think of shinju at the, at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> nice, nice. I will say that I had basically no no effect after the uh, second dose. Like I was expecting to like, you know, because everyone was like, oh yeah, that's gonna hit you really hard. But it was it was just kind of like nothing really happened. So you know, different for different people. Basically, you might get lucky. Who knows? Right. All right. That's all we got for you this week. Uh, as always, I'm Ron. I'm Isaac. And I'm Beza. Music for the weekly is provided by Andrew Dietz, Aaron Senden, and Kenny Talbot LaVega. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you all next week. Thanks. See you. Peace.